Welcome to the Frank James Podcast. Today's guest is incredible. Uh, let's, let's just put that out there. Let's, let's, let's get that out of the way first. Uh, today we have the amazingly versatile, the amazingly talented, the amazingly creative Melinda Kathleen Reese. With 1.2 million subscribers on YouTube for her Twisted Translations channel. I'm sure you've seen it. It's the Mondo hits for years now on there. Uh, and a massive following of 2.7 million on TikTok for her enchanting Irish covers. Her success speaks volumes, but she's not just about numbers. She's a powerhouse of creativity. She released her latest album, It's All True, earlier this year and is currently on the final handful of dates uh, of a nationwide tour around the US. From the digital stage to the real one, from YouTube to original music, Melinda's journey is rich and inspiring. In fact, she's one of the the inspirations for me when I first started my YouTube channel. She had a big impact on me. Today we're gonna deep d deep dive, dive deep, whatever, whichever way you wanna say it, into her creative process and the inspirations that fuel her artistic drive. Let's dive in. Maybe that's the place to start, is to talk about having such a successful channel, or at least from an outsider's perspective, it seemed like you could just come out with almost anything and have a hit with um, with your original YouTube channel, now, now known as Twisted Translations. Was it difficult to make that pivot away from that? And I know you'd focused more on TikTok and now your, your other channel um, where you post music, like you're doing great with shorts and stuff over there. Was it clear to you like, yes, I need to, I need to pivot away from this? Or was it like, uh, I got to make sure I've got my hand on this other rung before I let go of this one? Like, what was that transition like? To be honest with you, it was definitely the latter um, because I I felt ready for a, a good three years uh, th before I really stopped making videos on that channel, um, and and I felt I felt ready to start moving away from it, but I had no idea where I was moving to, and it wasn't like I was just gonna you know stop completely, and and I was still enjoying making those videos, but. Um, I knew that it, it had a, a it had a life cycle um, as a lot of channels like that do where uh, you know it was just it was such a part of my life in such a distinctive way and that it, it taught me how to uh, you know deal with the world online but it was such a, it was such a great shield because it it wasn't me it was this wonderful gimmick and these wonderful characters that i got to play and so i could learn the ropes of everything like how to make videos how to deal with online comments and stuff like that without it being too vulnerable um but it there reached a point where i was like i have a lot to share as an artist and i do want to try and hit these more vulnerable places and and see what happens and so but doing that while letting go of you know what was my baby like did not feel didn't feel right and so I actually like literally the year before TikTok popped off, I had uh, brought on Tom McGovern, who's this phenomenal comedian now doing his own thing phenomenally. Um, uh, and we were going to basically build out a cast to try to continue the channel, but like take it off of my hands as much as possible. And so we were in the process of doing that. And then it was like the universe was like, really? You're, you're not listening to me. Oh my God. Okay. Push. And then TikTok happened. Like it. It was this moment of like, there is, you really cannot dedicate your time to this anymore. Um, and Tom McGovern had the exact same thing happen to him on TikTok as well. And so both of us looked at each other. We were like, we can't sustain this anymore. Like this just isn't going to happen. And so it was a very mutual decision. It was a very strong, like, okay, officially now is the time where like just our, our time is being taken by other beautiful things that are very exciting to us. And so the transition happened actually very naturally, as most of my pivots have. Um, but there comes a point at which you have to be like, okay, I am open to the next thing. And I'm very much in that place right now where I'm like, I'm open to whatever is going to happen in, in my career next. Um, and and so, yeah, there's there's a, a an art to staying open while also like keeping your feet on the ground and and, and and making and continuing to make stuff and continuing to exercise your creativity and and you know keep people around and and uh, and continue to feel productive and 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 make good stuff while you're also open to like whatever could come your way and and so uh, that has not always been the most like graceful process but um, it's one that I've gone through like 
probably three or four times already, and I expect to go through many other times. Wow, yeah. So it wasn't quite... 100% a leap of faith so much as like being like continually like pushed by the universe and yes uh, pushed by other things resisting for a while and uh realizing okay let me finally do this yeah I knew like I knew in my heart I was like I know this is going to happen eventually but like you know financially and emotionally and everything I was like no like I've I've built this thing that like allowed me to quit my day job it allowed me to you know to live a life that was creative entirely and that was so wonderful and I was like I don't want to give that up and so I'm going to continue doing this as long as I'm still enjoying it which I was um until something else comes along and and then when the something else came along I was like great cool we've we've got it and so yeah, I did not make I did not make a leap of faith at that time, to be honest with you. Um, and and I feel like the first leap of faith that I've really started to take have been now um, when I'm like actually engaging in like the music industry as a whole, you know, rather than kind of making my own way. Um, it's it's much harder to pivot into an industry that really already exists rather than I felt like, you know, when you are a social media person, you can really build your own career and build your own path and uh it's especially at the time there were like no rules you know um yeah and so there was there was just no expectation and i feel like right now i'm pivoting into an area in which there's a lot more expectation and i'm i'm navigating that uh which is is fascinating but um yeah so i i try i try not to make pivots where i don't have at least one hand still on some kind of rung because you know you don't want to totally fall man that's so yeah. true because like you started that uh because i saw one of the first video I saw of yours was like way back, like in 2014 or something. So you were really yeah. making that channel on YouTube when it was a bit more unstructured. It's not like it is Completely. even now. I mean, it's, it's nine years later, but <laughs> where it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. Almost like um, it. you know, it's like much more we have to please the algorithm kind of thing. And uh, it's a little less obvious what 100 percent. You know, yeah. Not that that didn't exist, though. Like, the algorithm right. was already the big topic of conversation even at the time. But the yeah. algorithm worked extremely differently. It was much more in favor of creators. There wasn't a For You page model. It was it was a subscription model um, yeah. and, a, and a recommended model, which is very, very different and creates a very different type of community around creators, um, which I think that's the fundamental difference. Where, like, if you asked me how to grow a YouTube channel in 2023, I'd be like, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, cause at the time, like just the way that everything was, was structured was, was dramatically different. It was still around algorithms though. And so like the language of trying to decipher what's going on and how things are changing, um, was something that I had to learn like pretty early on. And, and, uh, and I, I still to this day, you know, still don't know what's going on and no one does. And I think just like having the time under your belt to like accept that that's the case and just be like, nah. Yeah, just you know, you can you can think you know so much, and then something will always surprise you when it comes to trying to like play the game of social media. Um, and so uh, I I try to be as open as possible to those surprises. Uh, and and I think honestly, like doing Irish music and folk music was a surprise. Like I I did not think that that uh, was gonna like go viral on social media, but then it did, and here we are. You know, so you always got to be open to to the things that might surprise you. Yeah. So tell me about that with with this transition to TikTok and how how like how that got started and when it became clear like oh like this is where i should go mm. well i mean i've been playing irish music in pubs since i was like 12. um so i started learning irish flute uh and i started learning irish songs and there were uh sessions in outside of dc that would happen every second and fourth sunday of the month that were specifically for teens run by this amazing fiddle teacher named mitch fanning and that brought all of these like teenagers together both to hang out but also to like engage in our culture and that was it was incredibly beautiful and to have that in my life for so long was was phenomenal and then i went to college and it kind of went away there like really wasn't an outlet to explore it and so i like had this irish stuff in my back pocket for a long time and it, it bled its way into my theater life in all kinds of ways um but then uh the sea shanty trend popped off on TikTok. Everyone was obsessed with the Wellerman and and sea shanties in general for like two months. And and I was like, oh, I know songs kind of like this. And so I started, you know, singing some songs on TikTok being like, if y'all like this, you might like this because this is the stuff I grew up with. You know, I love it. 
and then things just started popping off and and you know i've always been one to kind of roll with it um especially if i'm having a really good time you know um and and so i did and when i realized like oh there's really an audience for this and there's a a deep community in this and sides of this music that i haven't explored yet but that it, this is my time to explore it you know just creatively and, and musically um things like shanos music singing in irish um for me personally it was just so it, it was very personal it was like oh th this is something that i for my own artistic life i need to explore right now and the fact that i'm buoyed by support with that is like you know just icing on the cake and so um yeah I, I, like again a lot of my career has been uh accidents or what feel feel like accidents but are honestly just like skill and opportunity crashing into each other and this was one of those moments where it was like okay i have the skill set for this i know how to do this and people are down for it and here we go you know so that's that's really what it was and uh and i i was so i am so incredibly grateful for that transition because it it was such a wake-up call to like hey this thing that was gonna like support you for the rest of your life in you know emotionally and spiritually and musically this music that has been in your blood you know for so long was what was going to support you it's been staring you in the face the whole time you know like yeah. it, it really was this moment of like it's always been here i just had to tap into it and and great got it here we go so it was awesome to it was yeah it was like a little wake-up call uh and i was just happy to receive it and happy to, to roll with it yeah the, i'm interested to hear about the differences there between TikTok and what you like if there was a learning curve or what you found about how people are there the audiences if you tried mm -hmm. to bring that kind of content over to YouTube and how that fared like what was this logistically with with this uh, transition of focus well one of the beautiful things about TikTok was I decided early early on I only I didn't post on TikTok for about a year because um, I was just watching to see what the culture of this thing was developing. And it felt a lot like YouTube in the early days, this sort of Wild West, like, w you know, anything is possible. And and I love the notion of duets and being able to expand upon things, especially musically. I thought that was so cool. And, um, and so I really observed it for such a long time. And then when I started posting, it was like, I'm not doing anything translate related on this. I'm going to let this be like Melinda play space because no one here cares about what other people think of them right now. Like that was what, that was TikTok in the early days. Everyone was just kind of being stupid and it was wonderful. Um, so I was like, great, this is going to be like Melinda play space to see what, what is possible. Um, and so I, I had lots of people like recognizing me from, from Google Translate Sings, but honestly, like just as many people who were like, wait, what? Like had no idea what that life was before. Um, most people I've worked with in my like Irish music life have no idea that that existed um, or they like found no. out later. Wow. Oh yeah. And and so I think that was what honestly helped that transition a lot. And um, and in terms of coming back into YouTube, which I, I did, I, I had a second channel come 2017, I believe was when I started my second channel. And that was gonna be, again, Melinda's play space to kind of do what I wanted to do. I started releasing music around then. And um, and so I had a, a place where I could do my own thing, but I don't think anybody expected it to turn into like a super folk music space. Um, Cause I kind of started out in, in like pop, slightly musical theater vibe. Mm -hmm. um and so when when the heavy folk music came i think people were definitely surprised but but a lot of people ran with it and i i love that i've been a bit of a gateway drug for a lot of people to be like wait this music is very cool and now they listen to like other people that influenced me and uh i've had a lot of people come to my my first tour where they were like this is the first time i've ever been to a show like this with this music ever and i love it it was great you know and so i i think that's that's very special and at, at my uh premiere of my visual album that i had so many people like before anyone asked a question they were like i've been following you since google translate sings you know like a lot of people have for some reason stuck it out it makes no sense and i love it like it's like oh people are as eclectic and wild as me you know <laughs> it's it's so special to uh to see that people have just been like yeah i bet sure you know in, in terms of just trusting me with whatever whatever that's gonna be and i i feel humbled to be entrusted with that by an audience because that's the thing is like when you're making a pivot your audience has to trust you you have to yeah. develop a trust with people that's like 
I I know where I'm going. I'm excited about it. I and if you don't like it, that is more than okay. Like kick me to the curb. But if if this is something that you're open to the way I'm open to it, I think we're going to have a really good time. And and I've been very grateful to have an audience that was that was so supportive of that and and willing to kind of go with whatever. So, yeah, um, yeah, I feel I have a bunch of different audiences that are all kind of like swirling around together between the GTS audience, the super folk music audience, the people that are really into my original music, like everyone kind of hangs out together. And 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 it's yeah, I love it. It's great. That I mean, yeah, that is an amazing thing to especially to have an audience who will go with you when you're trying out something new when you're doing that pivot because i feel like it can be tough like i've experienced people it's like people won't go with me even with like a micro shift and i'm like okay so what what do i have to figure out here like to to get you to come along do you like do you know what the what the secret sauce is there is it just your your magnetic yeah just my magnetic personality personality. no is it uh, Um, or is it was there any it doesn't I mean it sounds like you just kind of follow your uh what you feel you're being drawn to and it's not so much like this master plan of like oh let me see how I can bring all these people in no I I very genuinely the secret sauce is just your own passion and excitement you know and and just being like I think this is so cool and if there were plenty of people who were like I don't know what she's doing and they what I loved so much was when I first started posting on TikTok and if people recognize me so many people would say oh my god you were my childhood what I realized is that people view that phase of my career as this piece of nostalgia basically yeah yeah and that was so freeing to see that to see that people held that part of my career in a very particular time of their lives and seeing me again was like seeing an old friend and i was like actually what a beautiful new place to start because when you meet when you meet up with an old friend you are expecting that something new is going to happen um and so when i had that opportunity to sort of reintroduce myself to people i had a bit of a blank slate and and that was really awesome uh, and I think TikTok was honestly so helpful with that because it was this new play space. Yeah, I, like being able to accept that when you are doing like a certain project that it has, you know, a, a curvature to it. It has a, a build, a peak, and then it can, if you want to, it can have a resolution, you know, as you as you're figuring out where you want to go next and allowing that work of art kind of like a tv show to to live in people's memories as a, a a time in their lives that you know maybe they were going through a certain thing and that's where they turned they turned to your work to you know help them get through that very particular time in their life like that's that's what i feel like i was able to give to people with that and to be able to be to, to be able to rest in the knowledge that that will always exist you know that yeah. i never have to let go of that beauty is just so wonderful um, and so, yeah, I think, I think the secret is being really excited about what you're doing next, but also being really grateful for the, the impact that you have, however big or small, and knowing that that doesn't go away. It's, it's the, the, the impact, the work may go away, but the, the impact does not. And that's really special. I've never thought about it in that way. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's, uh, that's a very insightful thing. How do you then take it from you know, your online audience to an audience in real life. You know, you know, you're, so this is what, your second tour that you're about to go on? Yeah, the first like big long tour. My first tour was uh, two weeks and this is five and a half weeks. And so it's very different. Um, yeah. Yeah, way different scale. And my first tour was also like, we were all, it was all, it was very like sessiony. We were, we were like sitting down. It was very acoustic. This tour is not mm-hmm. that it's much more poppy, but we're doing like uh, an acoustic set in the middle of it. So it's, it's both very intimate, but also, you know, hopefully will will help people levitate out of the theater. That is the goal. Um, yeah. This is the classic question, to be honest with you, of how do you convert people to, you know, thinking like, oh, I, again, it's about trust. It's like, does your audience trust you to give them a really good experience in a different setting? And I think 
people from social media, there there are plenty of creators who have really struggled with that and, and struggled with that transition. Um, and then there have been some who were meant to make that transition from the beginning. And I am hoping that I'm, I've, I've always felt like one of those people because I grew up doing theater. I grew up performing. Like, it's not like this is a new thing for me. The, the transition for me feels incredibly natural. And that's why I'm so excited about it is I'm like, these are the, the, the space that I have wanted to create online, this space of um, thoughtfulness and joy and being able to hold joy and tragedy in the same space, you know, like, we've been we've been building this beautiful community for so long and when i have been able to put it into practice in person it has been just so transformational and so beautiful and i'm like i want to cultivate those experiences a lot more intentionally and a lot more actively and so honestly it's been such a beautiful like study for me um and and i want to continue to study the art of space making and and incorporating that into my shows and talking about that more online because I just think it's so important. Like I'm literally, I'm getting my, my body's doing the thing where it's like, yes, I'm excited. You know, yeah. right now it's, it's, it really gets me going. And, and, uh, especially after creating online for so long, it just, it feels like the next chapter for me to finally be able to take this in person and, uh, and be of service artistically in that way. Um, cause I've, I feel like I've been of service online in such a beautiful way for a long time. And it's like, okay, it's time to really focus on this aspect of, of my artistry and, in terms of like how you how you get people to trust that again just me being passionate and excited hopefully will be enough um logistically there's it's very difficult like especially yeah. with tiktok like with the new the new for you page model the ability to build a fan base and to build not just a fan base but community like fans who know each other and are excited to see each other is uh, much more difficult to do because you know you come by your screen you might follow the person and then they're gone and who knows whether or not you're going to see that person again um it's it is entirely dependent on uh where the algorithm is at with you and and that's really difficult um it's really really hard to build that community and uh and so i think had things stayed in a more creator model it would probably be a lot easier but you know we we make we make things work with what we got and i i do think that the model of of the music industry being so wrapped up in a song's success on tiktok and honestly like people's creative success and touring life is really wrapped up in that right now and i i don't think that's a good system i don't think it's a good measure of of success i don't think it's a good way to get people to try to engage with you i think there's just I, a lot of people are kind of turning back to like some old school models of, of marketing and, and, and engaging with people because it's just, it's really draining. It's, it's a machine yeah. to have to, to have to constantly push yourself into, into TikTok because it's, it, there's just so much content that you have to make. It's very high effort and, and very exhausting. And I've, I've, I am very burnt out on it right now, in fact, and, and I'm trying mm -hmm. right now to, you know, to reclaim that that part of me and be like no tour is what i am genuinely excited for and i want people to know about that it's not i'm not like promoting tour i'm excited about tour and i'm telling people that like that's what yeah. it is and and so that's been a mindset shift that i've i've really had to try to cultivate and i'm currently trying to cultivate more but yeah i, I i've seen so many mus musicians burn out um trying to create a traditional music career out of a foundation that is anything but traditional that is very difficult to do um and and i think i'm i'm definitely struggling with that right now but nothing has to be traditional i don't have to have a traditional music path either um if i've learned anything in my career nothing yeah. has to go the way it's gone for other people and and i'm cool with that so yeah is, I, I don't know i'll let you know i'll let you yeah, know okay. <laughs> good <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, your your path has been unconventional, uh, if if anything, so far. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. is it like anyone in the music industry who wants to build an audience needs to go to TikTok? Or is it just sort of like, if you have built an audience on TikTok, you need to stay there? Uh, it's anyone who wants to build uh, an audience in the music industry has to go through TikTok at this point. Wow. Like, I heard Ryan Tedder, who is the lead singer for One Republic, wrote Bleeding Love and like a bunch of other incredibly successful songs, say in an interview at one time, nothing I have done over the last, you know, over a decade plus has mattered. Like, 
none of the rooms I've been in, the sessions I get to go to, the awards I've won, all of that, none of that matters if my song doesn't, my new songs don't go viral on TikTok. And I was like, wow. that's devastating. Like, this is a guy that, that is like so well respected in the music industry and so successful. And he's like, you know, that's, that's his view on it. And, and I, I see that and, and I hear all the time, like my independent artist friends being like, you know, this, I'm not going to get on this playlist unless my song goes viral on TikTok. And they've literally been told that by things like Spotify and, and Apple Music and that kind of thing. Like it's, there is this weird reliance on this incredibly broken, uh, system you know like tiktok yeah. in terms of tiktok and music in particular right now uh, especially this year 2023 is very broken it's so broken mm. um and so i think it's an awful system um it is more technically more democratic but also way more just oversaturated and much harder to i think it's harder for an artist to get started these days than ever before um it's it's really? easier it's easier on a technical level but harder on a macro level in that there's just so much happening and it's i think it's even more lightning in a bottle than it used to be and is it is it more equal opportunity for it to happen yes a thousand percent and i think ultimately that is a good thing like yeah. fundamentally that is an excellent thing um but my gripe with it is that the music industry is so reliant on it it's it's like completely invalidating if if this isn't the path that you took, then it's it's not sustainable in their minds. Mm. And I'm like, you don't, I, I don't think it, people are thinking about what sustainability actually is, which is uh, a complete lack of reliance on these platforms that are changing constantly. And, yeah. and some of them are dying, like Vine came and went, you know, Twitter, dying. Um, and so I think, yeah, the fact that a lot of industries are like putting so much emphasis on on these platforms is, uh, I think a very bad idea. And, and so uh, I don't entirely know what the solution is, but I'm trying to remove my own self-worth from from being tied to these platforms so much and trying to honestly engage more in person. It's one of the reasons I want to tour more is so that I can just get in front of people and say hi and, and create community in that way. Because, um, you know, especially post-pandemic, it's like, it's it's really important that we do that. And uh, yeah. so that's that's where my focus is turning right now because it, it, feels, it feels the most in line with like my values and, and most in line with what I think is sustainable, honestly. Because it's also like the difference between having a, uh, a video get a million views and playing to a crowd of, even if a small crowd of like 50 people who are like really engaged, like it's, it can't even compare. Like the million yeah. is nothing. Like the, no. the room of real people is, there's so much, because it's like, the you can feel the energy off of them like oh, yeah. it is more of a a uh, a conversation even though it is a performance it's like you're getting something back from them not just like a like or a, a comment or whatever and uh yeah. so i i totally understand how the live shows have that that pull for you yeah yeah they do i think it's they are experiences you know and and there are certain videos that you remember where you were when you first watched it and and i know that my videos do create experiences for people and that's a beautiful thing but i would like to be a part of those experiences <laughs> like you know yeah. is that selfish maybe but you know i i think i have the capacity to use a very different skill set you know which is to create create spaces like that because it really is a different skill set you know there it's uh, a whole new set of muscles and a whole new set of considerations for like how the art gets built. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just ready to flex those muscles at this point. Uh, and in addition to, you know, feeling like that's just what the world at, at macro needs right now. So tour I've heard from various musicians, like just not people I know, but just, you know, <laughs> sure. the interviews and stuff that it's, that's a tough uh, experience. Like it's exhausting. You're travel, you play a show, you immediately travel the next day. How do you um, keep up your creative energy? How do you keep, you know, keep yourself ready to make those connections in such a uh, tough, exhausting uh, situation? I'll let you know. Um, I think I think the uh, the thing I discovered when I was on the road the first time was sleep. 
like very genuinely, you just got to sleep way more than yeah. you normally do. Um, but everyone has, everyone has a certain thing that they need and that they will fight like hell for on tour. Um, whether that is a consistent meal time, uh, whether that is a certain number of hours of sleep, uh, whether that is alone time for a certain, like whatever way you are going to take care of yourself, you learn what has the most impact uh, and you fight like absolute hell to make sure that that happens every day. Uh, and for me, I learned that's absolutely sleep. Um, so learning how to sleep in a van and, uh, you know, uh, making sure that I, I have the ability to fall asleep quickly and and that I prioritize that rather than like going out or doing any of that. Um, I found that my shows were just infinitely easier on me if I uh, was less tired and and tour is just a, a sleep deprivation machine and so you you have to really fight against that and and sleep in all the little pockets that you possibly can so yeah just finding finding what works for you in terms of what sustains your body I know some some musicians where it's it's actually more about making sure they're fed correctly and you know, it it really is uh, up to you to figure that out for like what your body needs. And what I loved about my first tour was every show was totally different. Like we had, yeah. uh, I remember in New York City, we did two nights in New York City. And the first night people were dancing in the aisles and like banging on the tables. You could hear the silverware rattling on the tables from people wow. like getting excited. And the second night people were like, just so very quiet and just want, wanted, it was like a theater show. They wanted to listen very intently. Yeah. And I was like, well, cool, you know, and so I, again, I'm I'm down with whatever people want to do. And and so I love being able to walk into a, a space and go, I am as as on this cliff as y'all are. And let's let's see what happens. And I, I think that's a really beautiful thing. Um, so I'm I'm and I, I would do that every night doing a show when I was in D.C. And, and doing professional theater. It was the same thing. Like you knew the show you were going to do, but. But I love playing off of an audience's energy and being able to uh, give them what it feels like they collectively are needing in that in that moment. And so um, I think the the aliveness of that is something that actually sustains me creatively and makes me really excited. Um, but yeah, in terms of like creating content while I'm on tour, no, you got to delegate stuff. Like you, you do have to sort of like know that your job when you're on tour will not involve much social media like you will be you will be working and that will be your focus and so uh, you know there's a couple of like management things i have to uh make sure are in place so that i can continue to do my job but yeah just got to find what what sustains you and and yeah pass off the things that don't i do want to you know get into like the whole creative process because you know you've you release your own music you mm -hmm. have a, a an album that came out just a, a few months ago how do yeah. you um like, where does it come from? Where do you find inspiration? I guess we can start there. Uh, it's interesting. Like, the idea of inspiration has changed a lot for me, honestly, in the yeah. last, like, two years or so. Um, but for a while, inspiration was this thing that would, like, smack me in some circumstance. And it was like, I describe it as a chokehold. It's it's this thing that, it there's an idea that comes, and it will not leave me alone until I do it like it's a very sort of intense thing yeah. and and i still have those every once in a while and that is so exciting to me because i know that when i have those ideas it's like i gotta do it you know um and the my whole first channel was that literally i was like this this idea for let it go according to google translate is not going to leave me alone i was in the middle of two tech weeks for two different shows and i just decided i took like an hour and went into one of the practice rooms and made it like it was that strong of an idea where I was wow. like, I, I have no choice but to make this. And I had no intention of releasing it publicly. I, I sent it to my friends unlisted and they were like, you need to make this public. Like, this is hilarious. And the rest is is history. Um, so I get really excited about those ideas that that are uh, that are just a nuisance. They won't let you go. And recently, I've also uh, I've started doing a lot more like vocal improv work. Um, which relies not on spontaneous inspiration, but on constant inspiration, like just being able to sort of call upon things. And I've learned a lot more. Uh, re there's a teacher named Rhiannon who worked with Bobby McFerrin, who has um, a sort of uh, set of teachings called the vocal river. And the idea is that you just constantly have a, a river of music that is flowing through you. And at any point, you can just be like, like, that's, there you go, there's a song. And you go. 
And so, like, I could technically write a song right now if I wanted to. Would it be good? I don't know. And and so I think what I've what I have loved about that is it has released me of being like, where is the inspiration? It's like it's always there. Um, it may not be yeah. like good, but but it is always there. And so I think there's yeah, there's two different fundamentals to finding creativity, which is throw things at the wall as much as possible, and then one one beautiful nugget will come out, or it's wait for the nugget. And and I think I'm I'm kind of always waffling in between those and and finding what is working best for me uh, at a given moment. Um, so yeah, those are my sort of two different approaches to finding inspiration. Yeah. So when when you're writing the what ends up being the ten songs that are on um, your most recent album, it's mm-hmm. all true. What's like? Do you have a daily uh, schedule where you're like, okay, I'm gonna write for three hours? do you or or weekly or whatever or is it kind of just like i'm feeling it come up it might not be there or not let me just you know see if what i can come up with like how does how does the uh the process of i guess this would be like sort of the uh the the experimentation phase um it's both i think once like a lot of the songs for that album would hit me in like little pieces and thankfully I had the extraordinary Johnny Del Toro and Hannah Tobias to write the album with um and so like Brooklyn for example we were we we knew we were developing an album but we didn't know like what all the songs were on it and so we would have writing sessions where we would just block off a day and be like let's see what happens and I would bring in a bunch of stuff um and sometimes that was just words sometimes it was a hook and words sometimes it was just a melody or literally just an idea and uh and we would kind of go from there so like brooklyn for example i had brought in all of these lyrics that i thought were like really interesting and cool and then i was like ah, i want some kind of like kind of driving something and johnny started playing some chords and i was like yo play that in five four and he started to and both hannah and i went what is that and then we just we looked at my lyrics and started scanning like a certain portion of it over the chords and realized it was like it was incredibly cool and so that was the pre-chorus we had like just the pre-chorus to brooklyn for like a month and i was like what is this thing it's so cool and so i i ultimately was like cool so the chords underneath this this is going to be the loop and so i said to johnny i was like i want to come into the studio and i want to write the rest of the song just can you record those chords for me and then we'll just loop those and so we had like three minutes of just those looped chords and um, I finished writing the lyrics after that, not knowing how the melody was going to sound, but I finished just lyrics knowing what I wanted to say um, and knowing that I wanted, because it was a loop, that we could uh, build everything on top of each other at the end. That was also a, a big goal because I, I wanted that sort of like, oops, sorry, I wanted that like cacophony at the end. And, uh, and so we just put on the loop and I just started singing the lyrics in all kinds of different ways until we landed on something that we liked and so that's how that song came about and and that was like structured and scheduled like this is how we're gonna work on this we don't know what it's gonna be but we are gonna like schedule time to do this um whereas uh wear me down for example that all came in like one go and just inspiration struck and that song was written like no edits just boom um Wow. And so it, it, it does, it does vary. Like, and, and there's, uh, one song, um, like it's the end that when I first wrote it, it was a very unfortunately Christian rock sounding song, like completely okay. different, <laughs> totally different, so different. And it went to master, like we produced the whole thing and it went to master. It was going to be a single. And my manager was like, dude, your target is here and you are somewhere else, man. Like, I, I know what you're going for and this is not it. And I'm like, I agree and I hate that. Um, and I sat on that thing for about two years. And wow. uh, and I, I knew the idea of making love while the world was ending was a really good idea. I just, I didn't, I wasn't in touch with that idea enough to be able to write that well at the time. And then uh, I was at home and Roe v. Wade got overturned and within that time i had started doing the TikTok thing and the folky thing and doing like a banging on my desk and singing sort of style of video and so i scrapped the song went back to the idea because i was like the world is ending and everything is horrible and i just want to like be revolutionary and and make love 
And so I started like banging on my desk and just singing like all these different ideas that the song, the original song had given me, but like maybe two of the lyrics, you know, made it. And the chorus is like similar, but very distinctively different in its tone and everything. And so like that song came from a place that is seemingly so not relevant, but just allowing myself to take the space and time from it actually got to the core of what I wanted to say. Um, mm. and, and the two songs, like they wouldn't exist without each other. And so, uh, yeah, there's, there's some songs that are like magical and appear. And then there's some songs that I call, um, dinosaur songs. Cause it's like, it's like excavating a dinosaur and being like, there's the little bone and there's the other <laughs> bone. Like it's, yeah, you're, you're just constantly working at it. Um, so yeah, I prefer the, the fast songs. Sometimes oh, dinosaur yeah. songs really frustrate me, <laughs> but yeah. you're like, should I just give up? But you know. I, I'm a very persistent person, so I tend to just beat a dead horse until it's something. So Right, yeah. Well, it's like when, uh, it, with uh, writing a script for a video or something, it's like when it all can oh, come yeah. out in one sitting, it feels clean. It feels like, dang, mm -hmm. that's what it was supposed to be. But when you're like tooling with it for a long time, it can start to feel like, is this because like it's a fundamentally bad premise? Like, <laughs> shouldn't it yeah, have what been done by now? Yeah, what what do you find when you're when you're doing a script? Is it like mostly clean stuff or do you find that you're more tooling with stuff like more often? Uh it's usually more uh, a lot of times it can be like putting out a first draft and then letting it sit for a while and then coming like the best ones I'm able to kind of write it in one sitting, maybe two and mm. then let it sit for a while, come back to it, give it a revision, and then it mm -hmm. feels like it's ready to go. Because sometimes you don't really know what if it's good or not. Like I don't know if you have felt this about your songs. You're like, I don't know if this is any good. Let me just come back to it and see. I was gonna say that is that time that you mentioned of like doing the first two drafts and then waiting and coming back to it is like. That is essential. I've done so many things where I, in the moment I was like, yeah, and then I come back to it and I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, you know, and developing that uh, that taste so that you are more accurate to what you want to be earlier is it's incredibly difficult. But but the the value of that wait time is is one that as such an impatient person and as someone who definitely feeds into the like. I'm a social media person and I need to be constantly releasing something. Yeah. I will often release things before it's too, uh, when it's too early. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's a hard balance, but that, that time that you mentioned is like, is really essential. It's cool to hear that you do that too. Cause it's, yeah. The, it, yeah. the incubation period, if you will. Yeah. Good word for it. Yeah. A lot of times it's unintentional. It's sort of like, I just, uh, I don't think it's very good, so I'm just like, whatever, and I forget about it, and then I come back, I'm like, oh, actually, it was okay. So, Yeah, 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 it can go either way. You, you either come back and you're like, wow, I'm good, or you come back and you're like, hmm, no. Glad, glad yeah. I didn't put that out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah, so many videos I've made, it's like, I wish I had had the extra week so that I could have done something with it. And some of the videos I feel most proud of had that extra week or two where I kind of just let it sit in the shelf, you know. Totally. With, let, I want to ask specifically about lyrics because it sounds like you write from a specific idea, like you have a message. And, I, you know, it's like everyone, every uh, songwriter kind of goes about lyrics differently. I've heard some people just kind of like scat you know, the melody line and then words come out and then they start to develop an idea around it. Whereas mm -hmm. other people will like write an essay form of what they are really trying to say. And then they find like hints of what will actually become the song. So what is your approach to, to the lyrics? Uh, entirely both. I would say more often I, uh, the most common thing is like a, a melody and a lyric for some kind of hook will come together initially and then I will word vomit uh, uh, like all over a page. I have a notes app like lyric thing where I just sort of jot down whatever I hear and sometimes I'll go back to that and, and try to pull stuff from that and uh, and then I'll just start singing what I have on the page and see see what comes up. But I've also I've come up with like really beautiful melodies and been like that 
I know in this melody that this particular set of words just feels so good and like that like that's just what that's how this melody wants to be expressed and so I need to cater all the lyrics around it to make that work um and so yes I definitely do both um more often I do the word vomit and find a melody to it um but uh every uh, every once in a while I'll I'll like it's all true for example I I had a, an idea which was I want to talk about you know two things being true at the same time and I had it's all true at the same time and I, th I think I had a word vomit but mostly I was like I want a like shuffle ish song and then it changes into just straight four four like that's what I knew is I just knew I wanted to be like that's all I knew and so that was the first time that I ever actually started a song with a beat um just the wow. idea that that's that's like the groove that i wanted and same with the the single that i have coming out i was like i want to write like a like i just knew i wanted that groove and so i was like well we're gonna find something that works with that and and so every once in a while i'll, I'll start from a groove as well and uh and i'll just recently I've, i have a looper station and so i'll just develop that groove with like beatboxing and like hitting stuff and just have that on and then just sing over it and see what happens yeah. and document some stuff in the looper and see what I can build. So that's that's how this most recent single came out, actually. Wow. Yeah. So and when did that come out? That's coming out um, October, uh, uh, August 25th. Oh, boy, that's that's right around the corner. We got to get this uh, yeah. get this podcast out in time for it. Um, yeah, if it, if it is if it is out by then, yeah, it's called Break and Breathe In, and it's uh, it's it was very much developed by just like singing over stuff that I was putting down because I knew I wanted that particular feel. Um, yeah, and so yeah, that was fun. I have a few questions to uh, to wrap up with that I uh, I like to ask every guest about creativity. So I don't, have you ever heard of uh, Brian Eno's uh, oblique strategy cards? I've not, no. So basically, it's like a bunch of, it's like a deck of cards, and he has stuff written on them, and if he feels stuck creatively, he pulls a card, and it says something, and it's supposed to get him, you know, looking at things from a different perspective, kind of. Nice. Um, so I've kind of stolen the idea and changed it to creative cards, and it's, this, it's the same exact idea. So the question I like to ask is what you would put on these cards, and specifically, there are three kinds of three different general things that could be written a question a command or just like a general statement and whatever it is could um is intended to kind of just help the person who is creatively stuck to get out of it somehow and mm. uh so i uh i guess we could i i could ask you to do all three you could just do one of those three types, you could do as many as you want. Just kind of opening it up to you. If anything comes to mind of what you would put on a card to mm. get someone going creatively. Um, I think one of the big questions I have been asking myself these days in particular is, uh, or I'll be like, hey, you're thinking about how you feel. How do you feel? Ah. Like there's there's a lot of moments where I'll be writing from how I think I feel rather than how I feel. So that would be that would be something I would try to prompt myself to reflect on. Um, and another option would probably be like, uh, or, or even just like, how are you feeling right now? Um, yeah. Like sometimes just sitting down and uh, writing three things that are true. Like write down three things that are true right now. Um, that's that's again tapping into that river of creativity that is always running through people um yeah so sit down write three things that are true and um yeah so how do you think you feel three things that are true uh and what's another way to say that i think is is the other thing so oh yeah uh like what's uh, i i often am very like i'm a very wordsy person i rely on language a lot to communicate with the people i love in my life and and you know in my career but i am learning these days that melody and rhythm and visual and like all of these other ways of expression are just as important and so it's like uh, hey, instead of saying that with a lyric, could you say that in a melody? Instead of saying that with a lyric, could you say that in a groove? Like, what are what are other ways to say what you're trying to say? Um, and so just, yeah, opening up myself to the idea that maybe I, I don't have to be as literal with the lyrics, but I can create a feeling, you know, through, uh, through a different medium, I think would be something that I would want to remind myself consistently. Those are great. Like, I, those are 
not even similar to ones that I have thought of before. So that's uh, that's cool. very insightful. Thank you for that. Wait, I'm curious. I'm curious to hear like one one of yours. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you so yours is how could you say this a different way? One of my questions is how could this be less boring? Uh, <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of these I wrote down that just like don't they they like don't make sense kind of on purpose to make you kind of think about it. So sure. Um, did you try turning it off and on again? So it's kind of like. <laughs> You know, That's so good. What does that uh, mean? Uh, and then I guess like a one of the the invitations, uh, like a command would be, uh, let your mistakes live. So I, mm. you know, I, I mean, it's kind of like a common thing for creatives. We want to like edit things before they have a chance, but it's like no, let them let them live mm. a little bit, let them breathe, and see what happens because you know they can. They can mm. develop. They can they can take on mm. a mature form that maybe doesn't quite look like a mistake anymore. Mm. That that idea literally just made me take a deep breath. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, uh, <laughs> that's that's so nice. I really like that a lot. I think that's yeah, it's something I don't often. I don't give my mistakes permission to breathe very much, but but that's yeah, that's a really good idea. Um, I think yeah, the the idea of did you turn it on and off again? Um, something that I do find is, uh, I'll be writing from a place of, I want this to be good, or I want this to be successful or something like that. And my way of turning something on and off again is like, Hey, go do something else or go sing something else. And a lot of times that'll just get me like back in touch with my body and brain and like why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, um, so yeah, I find that I often have to turn myself on and off again in order to like restart and refresh it's so easy to get like so into it and so close to whatever you're working on that Mm -hmm. you just like don't have any idea of what to do with it anymore and you're just like spinning your wheels yeah totally you're uh i'm trying to think of the computer equivalent of it where you need to turn it off and on you're just uh it's like the the rainbow wheel of death exactly sometimes yeah sometimes you're yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, your brain your brain becomes the spinning wheel of death and you just have to be like okay just turn press the power button turn it off turn it back on again see what happens well melinda thanks so much this has been a great conversation yeah you too man thank you for having me on this has been a blast i'm i'm so excited by everything you're working on and and excited for whatever you've got coming up next thanks you've you've given me a lot of inspiration a lot to think about so uh i appreciate that and uh, good luck good luck on your tour coming up thank you i appreciate it i appreciate it